Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. I'm your host, Aubrey Whitty. Today, we are kicking off a series of eight podcasts produced in partnership with SAP Success Factors. Each will feature an expert in the field of HR, and we will explore some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today. In this inaugural podcast, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker, Christy Sanders, who is a global VP at SAP SuccessFactors and runs the Wellbeing at Work initiative. This initiative was put into place to help companies operationalize a culture of well-being and purpose, helping organizations and employees reach peak performance levels and improving the employee experience. Christy is based in the U.S. and Florida, and she is an SAP veteran with experience in marketing, sales, and operations with a passion for well-being in the workplace. As a subject matter expert on the topic, I'm thrilled to speak with Christy today about the importance of well-being in the workplace and what organizations and leaders can do to foster it. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Aubrey. It's a pleasure. Awesome. I'm going to dive right into some of these questions because I think that this is a topic that's just incredibly interesting and incredibly relevant for organizations today. So why do you think well-being is at the forefront of an organization's strategy today? Is it, what's it really about? What's it getting at? Well, I think a lot of people are recognizing um, that employees have reached a critical point in, in their work life. You know, we've spent the last 40 years connecting people 24-7, and with that, we forgot to really help people create boundaries with technology, um, being able to leave the office at home, and work and life have become sort of a dance. They, they are very well blended. And organizationally, companies, you know, some are looking to decrease costs, which is, uh, you know, a fair effort and much needed, obviously, in our environment with rising healthcare costs or labor costs, um, war for talent, et cetera. But I think when you, when you really get into well-being, it's all about the people, and the people are really what drive an organization. Whether or not the project succeeds or fails all comes down to the people. Whether or not you have a good retail experience or a bad retail experience comes down to the person helping you. Same thing at a, at a front desk when you're checking into a hotel. Those, are the, those customer experiences are really dependent on the people. And what we're finding is that if you are stressed out because of your manager relationship or something in your personal life, maybe having a hard time paying your bills, et cetera. These are things people are bringing to work. They're not able to leave them behind, and that's completely understandable. But we really need, as an organization, to understand that part of this is our obligation to support people recognizing what they're bringing to work and giving them space to be that person. You know, um, and companies know this. Uh, you, we, people we talk to, they're, they're creating more benefits for their employees around this, you know, gyms, good quality nutritious lunches, you know, things like that, um, employee assistance programs. But they're really being underutilized, and they can't measure the impact. So this is where the idea of really creating a comprehensive strategy, being able to measure that uh, is something that we are working hard to do with our customers. Great. Thank you. So you talk about how certain organizations have started to kind of um, meet 
employees where they are, right? And trying to navigate this world. And I like how you called it a dance, this dance between work and life. Um, But that does beg the question. And I think a lot of leaders and organizations are thinking, what role do I really play in this versus what falls on the employee? So how would you define um, how the responsibility is shared for well-being? How much is on the employee versus the employer? Absolutely. It's a great question because we've had companies say, you know, why is this our our challenge? Why isn't this up to the employees? And I think there's some truth to that. It, It very much is a shared responsibility in my mind because it's constantly in flux too. You know, if I am a employee coming into work, how I feel today is different than how I felt yesterday, for example. You know, different pressures in my life or successes in my life are impacting my well-being every day. And same thing with an organization, if you think about it. You know, new um, leaders are announced, new markets are announced, um, maybe layoffs are announced. Things change every day in companies as well. So because every dimension is constantly in flux, we know that you can't fix it. You have to instead create resiliency in your organization and in your people to be able to roll with these changes in life. Um, And so I think, you know, it is something that is a shared responsibility in the sense that I, as an employee, have to try and bring my best to work every day. But I also need my company to meet me there and create organizational practices that I I can live within, right, or creating a safe environment for me to work within, being able to have leaders that actually can support me as an employee. Um, you know, and I think that's a big challenge because, companies that are throwing all these well-being programs at their employees, for example, but then their leadership is still expecting a response within 24 minutes after they send an email or, uh, you know, pick up the phone anytime. So you have to be able to really align the organization in a way that's going to support employees and allow them to bring their best selves to work every day. That's great. So you talked a little bit about helping people build resiliency, for example. Um, So I want to dig into the definition of how you are actually contextualizing and conceptualizing what well-being really is. So are we just talking about kind of what I think is traditionally I I work out or I eat right? Um, How What's organizational well-being when you put it in the context of the work-life initiative at SAP? Yeah, I love that because it's true. So many times people are like, you know, thinking about the body stuff, you know, am I eating well, am I sleeping well, am I, um, you know, exercising, but there's so much more to it than that. Obviously, we look at body, that's one big component of the individual well-being. Um, and sleep is a huge one also in there too. Um, but it's also about the mind and being able to really, uh, create positive emotions and capabilities within people to manage that stress and focus. Also connections, social well-being is a really important piece that we are finding, uh, in employees, even as far as whether or not they want to stay working somewhere, you know, do they have a best friend at work? Are they able to feel like they're a part of a team there that um, gets them excited to show up? And then we talk about resources. And this is really just about, do I have the resources I need to be successful? Whether that's financial resources, you know, am I able to have all of my wants and desires met with what I am managing at an individual financial level, but also learning resources. Do I know how to grow and and learn when I'm interested in new topics, for example, taking up new hobbies? And then lastly, motivations. What gets me up in the morning? Why would I 
care about going into work today. You know, maybe it's just to provide for my family, and that's certainly a good reason. Maybe I'm making a difference in the world in my job, and I really am excited about what I can do there. So, you know, no matter what, we have motivations or we lack motivation, if you will. So really being able to find that as a, as a big part of the employee or the individual well-being. But again, these two things are really interdependent. So then we also think about organizational well-being. Like, what makes a healthy company? It is a, a culmination of the people, but it has some principles in the framework that we think about as well. So things like company purpose. And, you know, is the purpose of the company pervasive throughout the way that it operates? Do employees know what it is? Do they stand behind it? Are they creating actions within the company that you can tell are, are you know, rooted in this purpose? Then there's things like leadership actions, you know, being able to have leaders that know how to manage their teams in a positive way um, and that they're really fostering well-being within the teams. And this doesn't mean like going out for a group run, but it means like treating the people with kindness and compassion and understanding that they're coming to work as a human and what that brings with them. Then there's the idea of organizational practices. You know, do we have systems in place that can help people, uh, you know, easily take care of the nuances of work that they have or the processes? I'll give you an example of this. You know, I think about expense reporting. It's not an HR you know, process at all, but it is something that a lot of people do. And if you make that a laborious process, which is never anybody's job to do an expense report, it's something that's just on the side that you need to do to get, you know, to move on. But people are, uh, you know, when we're talking to them, they're spending a half a day once a week doing expense reporting. It's just it's such, uh, it's not a practice that's supporting anybody's well-being, let's just say that. Um and then there's team dynamics. How well do you create and foster team relationships so that, you know, people can thrive and succeed in their team, um, support each other when maybe somebody needs an extra hand or just be able to be creative and share new ideas without fear of, you know, people making fun of them or not supporting them. And then lastly, you know, the job and work conditions, especially in light of things like Me Too movement and, uh, and things like that, you know, do people feel safe in their working environment? Do they feel that they um, can't be themselves or that they, um, you know, just from a safety standard? And that's, safety is huge when we think about like an oil and gas or a mining company, for example, but also just in any day, everyday corporate America, you know, is it a safe practice? Is it also conducive to work. I mean, we talk about people right now a lot of times working in shared open workspaces and how hard it is for them to focus and concentrate and get work done at times. So that's also something that's going to play in well here too. There's a lot of pieces to it, as you can see, Aubrey. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, how do I unpack all of this? There are so many right. good points. So It's to... so challenging. <laughs> it is. To me, yeah. it kind of... um. It kind of amounts to a theme, like an evolution of benefits and expectations, both both on yeah. behalf of the employee and what they want, and then also, um, you know, the employer and what they need to be kind of on um, on the ready to defend and change. And, and I liked your comment about safety and how that might be more or less important from a very tactical perspective and um you know, manufacturing facilities or oil rigs or things like that. But there is an element in my mind around psychological safety, right, within the traditional white-collar corporate world where we're having meetings and trying to be innovative. So um, there's a lot of stuff here to unpack and a lot of stuff I think that can have a real 
um, influential impact and a positive impact on both employees and organizations. But my next question is, how do we unpack that, right? So how does a company begin to tackle something that's as big and as complex and robust as all of the different elements that you just named? Um, How do we break it down? (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Companies would look at that or hear that and just feel a little overwhelmed on what do we do to start. And I think the big thing is really to to start with self-reflection. You know, where is this important into the organization? You know, is this something that just the benefits team is thinking about within um, the organization and it's something that we want to offer employees? Or is this something that, um, you know, maybe at a C-level where they're really trying to figure out how we create a better culture for our organization. And um, and I, so I think that's really important to do some self-reflection. You know, how mature are we in our thinking of this? Are these elements that I just mentioned even things we want to think about, right? Some may feel too taboo or scary for certain um, industries or companies maybe. Even um, culturally, you know, we look at um, like geographies, you know, certain cultures in our world are more ready for this topic than others, I think, as well. So I think we have to look at the different levels of maturity because each organization is in a different place. You know, we see everything from well-being a problem as a problem where they're starting with um, an idea that's a problem to be solved. So, you know, something like attrition, for example. And and you can go about it in that way and really figure out, okay, what's causing that attrition and how do we break that down and unpack that and be able to create solutions for that. But then we also look at it um, as a benefit, you know, again, keeping it in that benefits department, keeping it as a way, as a reward for employees and something that, that we can advertise as one of our um, benefits that we have to help attract new talent, for example. Then we have things like um, it being a a priority. So maybe it's a strategic initiative where, you know, the month of May is going to be well-being at work initiative where we're just running different programs and benefits and trying to create mind share for people in this. And then it starts to get really integrated. When I think about that example I mentioned with like the travel and expenses, you know, if this is a practice, if well-being is something as a company we care about at the employee level, we may look at, all right, what can we do to make that easier for employees, that, that expense reporting uh, process, so that it's really created and uh, molded in a way that is for the employee versus for the organization. And I think this is really where the paradigm starts to shift within companies, because traditionally, if you look at systems and processes that are in place, they tend to be for the organization, not necessarily for the employee, whether it's, you know, reporting your sales pipeline and CRM or, you know, logging your vacation days or your new dependent and that kind of thing. These are things that are for the company to understand what's going on, not necessarily as value-added services for the employee. And I think when we start looking at it that way, that's where well-being really becomes a practice and a value. And it's, a, it's just embedded in everything the organization does because they're thinking first about how it's going to impact their employees. And that's where it gets to be really powerful. But it, it definitely is a journey, and, and nobody's going to start with the end in mind. I think you have to look at where are we today, what do we want to be, and how are we going to take the steps to get there. And that's some of the work that we do with customers today. Um, you know, it's not necessarily about buying a new solution to solve this problem. Sometimes it's just actually leveraging what a customer already has in a way that makes them better support well-being for their employees. 
Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. I like how you talked about that shift, that it's no longer about Mm -hmm. what's great for the organization, but what's great for the organization's employees um, who arguably make up that organization and make up why it's so strong in a marketplace. Exactly. So I think another question, though, that comes to mind for a lot of people, especially those that are facing this topic as a, as a new place to get started or trying to figure out what's the first step to take is, do I need to spend a lot of money to make this? Because that's probably going to pose a problem for some organizations. Um, right. Do I need special tools to do this? Or can I start this process with just a little bit of uh, you know time and ingenuity? <laughs> right, right. And I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, there's obviously tools out there, and sometimes that is where a company may be. But I think if you rush to looking for a tool to solve the problem without really identifying the problem first, then you're not going to make the mark. So I really think that a big part of uh, starting on this journey is asking employees, you know, where are you, doing some assessments, hearing from them and what they need. Because sometimes we, you know, think we're solving for A when really it's B that we needed to address and that's going to have the biggest impact. So I think, you know, you can look at the practices and the policies that are out there in a company. You know, you can look at recruiting, for example. Um, When I think about just looking at what you already have in place in companies, if you're thinking about um, recruiting new people in an organization, we look at the traditional job postings today. That's our first way of showing a recruit that we care about them as, as an individual and that they're valued in our organization as an individual. Instead of just talking about the scope of responsibility and the amount of travel they're going to have and that kind of thing, what if we actually used that as an opportunity to share the values that we have as an organization to make them uh, more excited to be a part of that and how we're going to respect and have have a um, diverse and inclusive workforce, for example. I think another way to do this is like onboarding. We talk about, you know, when we bring an employee on board right now, again, in the old way of thinking, it was really just about making sure they have their paperwork filled out, confidentiality agreements, we know their dependents, if they're signing up for insurance and things like that. Do we ever stop right now and ask, how do you like to work? What is it that's good for you? What kind of feedback do you like to have from your manager? How often do you like to talk to your manager? Do you like to take your kids to the bus in the morning so we shouldn't have 7.30 conference calls? You know, what is it that really drives you as an employee? And if we asked those things when we're onboarding them, they feel so valued right off the bat. And now their manager knows how to best manage them. And I think good managers do some of this intrinsically, but I don't think it's standard process for most companies. Uh, And we can. We can do that. I mean, a lot of companies already have onboarding tools. Why not make an entry interview a part of that? So, again, it is not just about uh, buying new tools to be able to do some of this. It's really just looking at what are we doing today for our employees and how can we shift that. I love that example around onboarding and just saying – you know, I'm guilty of it too, and onboarding is a pet topic of mine, to think that this is all about how you just kind of start a new job. But I love your perspective of saying, but how do, the, how do people really work best and how do we give them the space and the opportunity to yeah. say that up front, right? And, and how many, um, how many <laughs> difficult conversations can we avoid by having mm-hmm. that baseline conversation and opportunity and freedom to speak about this stuff, you know, before it ever becomes a problem, you know, it's really, yes. it's, it's a wise use of time. It's very efficient. Exactly. We had a, a 
somebody we were talking to that said, you know, I never told my boss that I wanted to, you know, take my daughter to school every day at 7. And so he was scheduling these calls all the time, you know, at that time. And it was so stressful trying to get them out the door and trying to drive and talk and da-da-da-da-da and not let my manager know that. And when when we did a little intervention and mentioned it to their manager, they were fine with it. They, they had no idea that that was a challenge and the stress that was reoccurring on this employee. So, you know, and simple things like that that I think are often overlooked but can have such a big impact on people's well-being. Yeah, that's great. So um, you have developed a solution in this area at Success Factors, and you have done it in mm-hmm. partnership with Thrive Global. So I wanted to know if you can give us a, a quick spiel on what the product is exactly and what the partnership looks like with Thrive Global. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's exciting. We're really excited to have an offering in this space. Um, and, you know, it's really the work-life product is meant to strengthen employee satisfaction and well-being, um, and it allows employees and managers to have this open dialogue and conversation in a way that um, – can affect their well-being holistically. So what I mean by that is is an employee onboards into the solution, they answer some different assessments and things about different areas of their well-being that we spoke of earlier, you know, connections, motivations, body, mind, et cetera. And as they get these assessments back, it'll show if they're a low, medium, or high risk on, um, on these different areas, and then serve up different actions, research, steps that they could take to improve these areas of their well-being. And it allows them to subscribe to different streams, micro steps, if you will, so that they can try new things to improve their well-being in those areas. And those that they want to share with their manager, they can. It's totally um, up to the user to decide what they want to share and what they don't want to share. You know, and I think that's really important because I may talk about how I want to increase the variety of tasks in my work, and that's something I'd be wanting to share with my manager so we could have a conversation about it. But I may not want to share that I'm trying to get more physically active three times a week or lose 10 pounds, right? Those are things that are beneficial to me but not my organization needing to know that. And um, so it's really powerful because it it also matches a manager up with different options that they can use to better support their employees. So if I said a variety of tasks were important to me, my manager may know that now and they actually get actions proposed to them on how to support me in that as well. Um, So it's a really powerful way to help support employees and managers, Um, and that's very transparent. When I think about how it also can support HR teams, though, like I mentioned before, you know, they're investing in different offerings all the time to try and support employees, whether it's um, an employee assistance program or different learnings, you know, a learning curriculum, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's very hard for them to actually measure the impact of that for employees. They don't know necessarily what's being used. They don't know if it's really driving the benefit they hope to. And this solution, Work Life, allows you to do that. And then lastly, the leadership of the organization is able to now see different business units, different employee populations, what's their job satisfaction currently, and what are the kinds of things that are making an impact on that job satisfaction so that we may be able to look at other populations who aren't in such a positive light and maybe you know be able to change the way we're operating in that model. And Thrive is just so awesome as a partner in this because their mission is all about reducing stress and burnout in the workforce. And they have an awesome library of content that they have curated from different thought leaders 
uh, industry experts, scientists. It's all research-backed, and their content is what we're pulling into the solution to be able to create the right actions and steps for employees. So it's all science-backed, and they are really modern in the way that they talk about this as well. So it's it's light, it's fun content. It doesn't make you feel like you're reading a research article that's five pages long, which sometimes is valuable, and, and there is some of that in the tool as well. But sometimes you just want a, a little micro step that tells you to get 30 more minutes of sleep tonight, you know, and it's a way that you can easily feel successful about it and move on. They also have uh, change management services that we also leverage and that we talk with customers about because buying a solution like WorkLife and putting it into an organization without really walking through change management with your employees is like buying a scale and expecting to lose weight. Um, And we know that's not true. You really need the program around it. And Thrive has built great trainings and has immersion experiences that you can bring to your employees that really understands and changes their beliefs on why they should care about this. Why is, um, you know, getting more sleep important to me? Why is, you know, continuing to learn in the workplace and being a part of a good team important to me? Yeah, that that's a great point, and I love the idea. <laughs> I love that analogy of saying you can't just, yeah. you know, buy this. You've got to really think about how it's going to be put into practice. So I have one last question for you, Christy, um, which is if yeah. you could tell anybody one thing about employee well-being that you think is either strongly misunderstood or not thought about at all or something that you just really think is important to know, what would that, what would that be? What do you want people to walk away with um, when they think about this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think as a culture and as an individual, people listen to this topic and they feel like, oh, yeah, good luck. My organization is, uh, you know, never going to get there. But but have hope because I do feel like the tide is turning. You know, we have a lot of work to do ahead of us to remove stress and burnout in the workplace and bring awareness to this topic. But I do think that there, the, the tide is turning. You know, there are people and companies out there that are putting purpose and people right up there with the plan and um, profit, and they're recognizing that we have to change the organizations that we all work within. The old rules don't apply. So I, I do believe that the cause that we're championing and the fact that we're success factors and SAP, we touch so many people in organizations. And I, I do think that our impact will be big. I do think that people will start to see this topic come up within their organizations and that their companies are doing things a little bit differently. And it's also up to us as employees to make sure we're asking for it. You know, I'm a good employee, but that doesn't mean I need to work 80 hours a week and never see my family. I can still be awesome for you as a company. And that's the message that we as individuals need to take to our management and our companies, but we also need our companies to realize that you're right. I I do like what I get out of you for the 40 or 50 hours that you're here and engaged and creative, but you should get to go see your family and you should get to go live the life you want to live outside of these four walls. Well said. Hopefully we'll we'll start to see that happen. (laughs) Yes. That's what we're working towards every day. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Well, thank you so much, Christy. um, And thank you for speaking with our audience about this topic and really shedding some light on both what it is and what organizations can do and what employees can do to think about it and actually, you know, really make an impact within their own careers and their own organizations. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Great. 
So be sure and subscribe to this podcast if you did enjoy today's conversation. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. If you are listening on iTunes, we would love to get your rating and review. It helps other professionals and like-minded people discover this program. We'd like to close by saying a thank you to our listeners for spending some time with us today. From all of us at HCI, thank you for listening.